Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Michael Warren, who's been following the presidential races so closely that he can actually perceive the impact that Lindsey Graham dropping out of the race and endorsing somebody could have on this election. Michael. You know, I've got a, a, a fine ear and, uh, you know, to the to the ground. I, I kind of understand all that's going on, even to that uh, deep and detailed level. You must have an electoral electron microscope. And I say this as a young man who grew up in South Carolina, who every time she hears the phrase Senator Graham, his mother winces a little and dreams of what might have been. I just I'm sorry. The departure of Lindsey Graham, how is that an impact on this race at all? Well, I argue that uh, the first is really has nothing to do with uh, the horse race politics of this. Obviously, Lindsey Graham was at uh, 0.4. I mean, it was essentially a rounding error uh, in the polls. Uh, I do think it's notable, though, that he's the last person really uh, of any note. I'm leaving out Jim Gilmore and uh, you know anybody else who's in a th- running for third party. Anyone who had a sort of outside chance of winning the no- nomination of either party to have worn the uniform and served in the military. I think that's interesting and uh, perhaps even telling about what uh, what kind of political class is now taking over. Uh, the fact that n- not a single person on either side. This was also, of course, eventually the case in the 2012 election. But the more it happens, I think uh, I-, I think that ultimately is a bad sign for our politics. Uh, and then, of course, the fact that he, uh, Lindsey Graham, is from South Carolina, an early primary state, uh, also, I think, opens up a lot of people who, you know, Lindsey Graham is not very popular with the conservative base of the Republican Party, but he is an influence in the Republican Party in South Carolina. And a lot of those money and political uh, movers and shakers are, are probably more free now than they were while he was in to kind of uh, uh, make any moves behind the scenes or more overtly. Uh, Michael Warren, do you see decisions made in South Carolina based on conditions of the polls today, or do you see people kind of getting lined up and waiting to see what happens in Iowa and New Hampshire first? I think that always happens, that South Carolina is uh, is always or has, you know, in the last several cycles been a reaction to what happens in Iowa and New Hampshire. And, and the interesting thing has always been that uh, because of the Trump effect, the Donald Trump effect in this race uh, and sort of his outsized national personality, uh, the national polls and the early state polls have generally tracked together. And that's not always been the case. So uh, South Carolina looks a lot like New Hampshire and looks a lot like Iowa right now because they all look just like the national polls. You're starting to see a little divergence from that. Uh, Ted Cruz rising uh, in Iowa, and, and, and that's happening less so in New Hampshire. Um, and, and so I think South Carolina, in many ways, is just kind of sitting and waiting. Uh, and there's about 10 days between the New Hampshire primary and the South Carolina primary, uh, I think for for when those two races, uh, when those two contests happen, Iowa and New Hampshire, South Carolina is going to have a better idea about who's really in the running and, and who's really not. And of course, I think we'll probably see a lot of people drop out uh, in that period. Well, I think it's safe to say that South Carolina's role as the establishment's firewall that it played until 2012 is now long gone. Let's um, talk about who might be barreling their way towards South Carolina with momentum, which looks like Senator. Ted Cruz, who isn't just uh, picking up in Iowa, but this new Quinnipiac poll, he's picking up nationally. I mean, he re- he is in the Trump class, polling-wise, pretty much by himself. That's right. And I think both now, uh, Cruz and Trump, are suggesting that 
it could come down to a race between Cruz and Trump. <laughs> That's a little self-serving for both of them, but they've got the evidence, uh, at least right now, to back it up. Look, Ted Cruz has been running a really good campaign in Iowa. Um, I was out there uh, a couple months ago and just had been following and talking with people in that state, and 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 Cruz is a natural fit for the state. Uh, he's he's got an evangelical message, or at least one that appeals to evangelicals uh, and and social conservatives who play such a big role in that state's uh, Iowa caucus and that state's Republican caucuses. Uh, and he's also done his homework in terms of figuring out who are the influential people uh, who can get people out uh, on caucus night on February 1st, homeschoolers who are very politically active, uh, the pastors who in Iowa uh, actually do say go out and vote for this particular candidate or that particular candidate. Cruz has done a really good job on that ground game uh, as well as sort of uh, converging that with a, a message that is appealing to national conservatives and, and Republicans nationally. It's all kind of working out for him right now. My big question is, is it a little too early? I mean, there is no primary in January. The January is going to be a really long month, no interruptions from Christmas or anything like that. Uh, and I think a lot is going to happen. That may mean that a lot of more momentum is is going to continue to propel Ted Cruz, but it also means he could be tripped up and, and there's no reason to think that he couldn't be. Yeah, but if you're running for president, you want to be the guy who needs to be tripped up and not one of the guys like uh, Rubio and Chris Christie who are back in you know low double digits or single digits, right? Absolutely. I mean, you, Ted Cruz is in maybe the best position of anybody uh, because he does look more like a traditional candidate as opposed to Trump. Trump still has this sort of open question about whether or not anybody's going to sh actually show up for him in Iowa. You know, will, will all the people who say they want to vote for him in New Hampshire uh, end up balking or, or going with someone else? Ted Cruz is, is a much surer bet to get the numbers that he's hitting right now. And you're absolutely right that if you're Rubio or Christie, uh, uh, or Jeb Bush or John Kasich, uh, you're all fighting for the same kind of voters in New Hampshire, uh, and and uh, it's all kind of gotten into this stasis. And so, look, the the good money is that Trump and and uh, Cruz rather are uh, are set to uh, win each one of those first two primary states, and uh, and then that propels them into uh, the sort of top tier. And those are the two people we're talking about. At the same time, you've got a lot of influencers uh, and influential people in the party, not just establishment, but a lot of establishment types who can't stand the idea of either Trump or Cruz getting the nomination. And they're not entirely powerless in terms of trying to influence that um, and, uh, and try to find somebody else, maybe Marco Rubio, maybe Chris Christie, uh, as somebody who can sort of fight the two of them. Okay, so let me but run this let me let's run this by you as the cuz you're the political insider and I'm out here in the, you know, hinterlands. But for example, we started off talking about Lindsey Graham. If Lindsey Graham endorses somebody, that person immediately loses support from Republican primary voters. It's not just that he can't add to it. As soon as you become the Lindsey Graham, John McCain establishment uh, business as usual guy, you've, you're going in the wrong direction. These influence you're talking about, who, I mean, like, imagine if Jeb decided I'm not going to run, I'm going to instead drop out and throw my weight behind fill in the blank. Whoever fill in the blank is, Michael, don't they say, please, no, no, <laughs> give it to the other guy, please. 
I, I think that would be the case if Ted Cruz weren't a factor. Look, I think the people who are going to be influenced uh, negatively, as you uh, just demonstrated, by some endorsement by Lindsey Graham or Jeb Bush or that sort of thing, mm -hmm. they're all already for Cruz. But this is a big party, the Republican Party is. And, you know, I, I mentioned uh, in my blog post at the Weekly Standard about how Lindsey Graham and John McCain really are sort of two political peas in the pod. And you can say what you want about John McCain's politics and the sort of disdain both of those men seem to have for the for the base of the party, and, and I think it's uh, definitely mutual. But John McCain was the nominee in 2008 for the Republican Party, and and for all you know, all the you know that that has been a long time since then, and and obviously he didn't win, so uh, you know uh, that's maybe uh, diminished his influence within the party. Uh, there are still people out there who vote Republican who like what Lindsey Graham and John McCain have to say in general uh, about particularly national security and foreign policy. So it won't be the uh, uh, you know the the endorsement to end everything for that candidate or to boost that particular candidate, whoever it is, into the top tier. But it will have some influence, particularly in New Hampshire, where John McCain won in 2008. And that was, of course, where he turned around his campaign and, and ended up winning the nomination. So I tend to agree with you uh, about about the toxicity of a Lindsey Graham endorsement. Um, but, but also, it, it, it can't be uh, uh, sort of uh, looked at as completely negative uh, when you consider well, guess, it is such a big party. And, and we'll wrap up this because I'm not trying to pick on Senator Graham or whatever. And I, you know, he's not uniquely, you know, troubled as a candidate. But the point is that is there anything that the establishment can do when the problem is that the establishment is the enemy, that that's who the voters are specifically looking to not vote for? You see what I'm saying? If the establishment rallies behind Rubio, that immediately sends a signal. This is not the guy Republican primary voters want. Republican primary voters who, by a two-to-one margin, for example, want to ban all Muslims from the United States. I mean, that's that's, that's it's just not. You see, in other words, I don't understand how does the establishment finesse the fact that they are the problem. Uh, look, I think that's right. I think that's why Ted Cruz is in the driver's seat right now uh, for the for the Republican nomination process. Um, but that being said, I think we, you know, people like you and me, Michael, who who look at politics every single day right. and follow it very closely, we think about primary voters in that way that, oh, well, uh, they, for the most part, you know, they don't like the establishment, so they're going to go against whoever the establishment is. And I don't think, you know, talking to voters over the years and just hearing what they have to say, I'm always struck by how real voters don't think that way. They're not as weird as we are in terms of our attention to these things. And, you know, I've talked to, for instance, voters in New Hampshire who say, you know, I really like John Kasich and Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jeb Bush for the nomination. And it's it's always kind of like, well, those are four really different people who have different right. approaches to everything. And, and I think that we have to remember that when we th when we think of endorsements and how the establishment moves. The establishment is, is, is sort of diffuse as it is. It doesn't have as much power as it used to. Uh, it can still move things in directions that it tries to get uh, uh, its, the, its preferred outcome. And it can sometimes work. Uh, and it's worked a lot in the past, and, and I don't think that uh, it, they're completely impotent, but I totally agree that Ted Cruz uh, is in the driver's seat for this because of all of the animosity among Republican primary voters for that establishment. Michael Warren, having confessed your weirdness, we will let you go forward, and I will tell Santa that you finally have admitted it so that maybe a little boost a little something for you in your stocking. I need all the help I can get, Michael, <laughs> believe me.
You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.